Hello, welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Hello, hello, Braveful listeners. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we're going to have a conversation with the founder and creator of No Fucking Around Money, Dr. Amanda. She is just an amazing conversation because let's face it, you know, we kind of were always taught you never talk about money, you never talk about sex. And quite honestly, I was taught you never talk about religion around the dinner table, the business table, etc. And, you know, Dr. Amanda really lets go of that. She breaks it down that, you know, having money or having the ability to get money, regardless of the state you're in, is, is all about creating a skill set that you can master it. It's same thing. It's just the same as mastering relationship skills. And she helps you get through those money blockers that allows you to take your success to the next level. So I encourage you to listen. This is just, it's a great human story about conquering the negative vibes in your life, about sharing your vulnerability, being vulnerable, getting over the negative self-comparisons. And one of the things that really stuck with me is that we're always a work in progress. And, you know, we need to be aware and we need to decide that, you know, our outer world is dependent on our inner world. And so she really talks about how we can, you know, master ourselves by embracing joy and letting go of the fear. So enjoy this conversation. It's really, it's one of my favorites. It's It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Dr. Amanda. And uh, I look forward to everybody's feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome, Dr. Amanda Barrientes. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. I love being here. Well, so let's let's just cut straight to the chase. So let's just talk about no fucking around money. So I think this is a topic that most women aren't that comfortable talking about, in my opinion. And so I guess, how do you make people feel comfortable about talking about the subject of money, whether they have it or don't have it? And yeah, so how do you get people comfortable with that? Yeah. You know, first I want to say, Amy, you're so right. I often tell people the two things that no one wants to talk about at the dinner table is sex and money. <laughs> but you forgot religion. You yeah, need to add religion yeah, to that. You know, and, and, well, and part of the reason they don't want to talk about sex and money is because of religion. <laughs> you know, like it, it often happens that way. You know, it's that we have a lot, a lot, a lot of shame and guilt and fear and embarrassment around when we don't think we know the answer to money related questions. And I think we also believe that we're supposed to know the answer. So if we don't, something's wrong with us and we'll figure it out because it's too embarrassing. And we also don't know who to ask. You know, sometimes we just go like, I don't know who to ask about this. And sometimes we don't even know that we have an issue. 
You know, money blocks show up in all kinds of different ways that we might not realize are related to money. You know, so it might be, oh, my business isn't growing and I feel really embarrassed about it and something's wrong with my marketing strategy. But really what it has to do with is that you're you have a fear around making too much money because then you might be too successful and you might lose your friends. And I think of that as a money block. You know, so it's it's related in in ways that we never even really connect until someone helps you see the connections. And then you go, oh, that's what's been stopping me this whole time. Do people actually have that? Their fear that they'll lose their friends if they make money? Oh, yeah. I would relate it to fear of success. A lot of people will say, oh, my God, well, what if I get really successful and then my partner doesn't like me anymore because I'm too powerful, especially women, right? Like women often have this an issue with a gendered based money lens where they go, okay, if I'm really powerful and successful, who's the breadwinner? How does that feel to my husband? How does that feel to the people in my life? What if I grow so much and I lose my friends because I'm outshining them in a certain way? It's underlying fears that we don't know we have. And you start to dig into it and you go like, oh, I'm actually afraid to be really successful because what if I lose my identity? You know, like what if I change and then I don't even know who I am? Wow. That's interesting because I don't ever view that as being an area where I would be, that that would be my fear, I I guess. Yeah. Wow. So as as you've done this, what are kind of the top reasons why people kind of get stuck? Yeah. All the entrepreneurs I worked with and, and have worked with, I have do money stories. And so I learned a lot about the overarching patterns and themes of people's money fears and money blocks. And that's the reason I created a money blocks profile because I thought, okay, there's patterns here. And I found that the top three were money is bad, money is scarce, and money causes stress. And for entrepreneurs who are highly driven, I'd say money causes stress is one of the number one money blocks. And in these money blocks, there's a lot of different thoughts and beliefs behind them. So I think about like money paradigms where we go, oh, I have this belief about money and it's running the whole show in an unconscious way because it's things I was told and started to believe when I was young. And then we track our environment to show us that that's true. So whatever it is that we believe we're going to find to be true because we're tracking our environment to prove to ourselves that it's right. It's like, form of confirmation bias. So if we were, when you were little, let's say you had two really successful parents who made a lot of money, but they fought a lot about money or they weren't home a lot and the house felt stressful. You might develop the money belief, the money block that money causes stress. So then you're afraid to make a lot of money and you go, if I make a lot of money, I might start fighting with my partner or I might not have time to do all the things I want to do. So I'm going to limit my success because then I won't make too much money and that won't happen to me. Interesting. So you wonder if that's why this generation isn't out there wanting to make all the big (laughs) money because their parents were in that stress zone. Yeah, definitely would be an interesting. It's at my backgrounds in sociology and and pattern, you know, macro patterns. And I always think about how fun it would be to do a research study on something and on topics like that. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, so what makes you an expert in this space? What is your historical experience that says I've, I've learned from these, these blockers, these fears that allowed me to overcome them? Yeah. So for me, my history has started, I left my 15 year marriage having an affair and then my next relationship was falling apart 
And so I was on the floor crying one night and I was like, okay, what's the common denominator here? It's me. And I started looking into like, I don't like this situation. My ex-husband had lost his job. So, you know, here I am facing, like I had to move Boulder, Colorado was, was where I lived at the time. Super expensive place. I have three kids. I'm in grad school and my counselors, like you got to go on food stamps. And I was so embarrassed and ashamed and scared and it just was awful. And so I, you know, and and I had that revelation, like I got to do something different. And so I started listening to podcasts because I was really busy. They were free. I was on the go. And I was like, I was just devouring information and things started to shift. I started to really change the way I saw myself. And I started to change my victim mentality. It was really like, I I felt broken, but I never took any responsibility for it. I always said it's the, it's society's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my ex-husband's fault. It's you know everyone else's fault. And then I really had right. that moment where like I, I got to do something to change. No one's coming to rescue me, and I'm the common denominator in all these problems. And so right. I started to just learn and learn and learn, and I started to implement. And when they, what I realized is that people have a lot of shame around all these things. If you have broken relationships, there's a lot of shame. We think like we should know how to do this. Same with money, we should know how to do this. And, and then I, you know, for my dissertation research, I got to work with incarcerated men. And so they were incarcerated for on average 18 years and were gang involved. And I studied their, I did life history interviews with them and they shared story after story of just these horrible pasts. And they were in this transformational program, a rehabilitation program. And the thing that I thought, thought was one of the most powerful takeaways for myself in the research was that they would cry to me and say, thank you for listening. No one's ever, I've never said this to anybody before. And it was like, you could feel the shame leaving their bodies and that someone cared enough to just hear their story. And it made me realize the power of shame. And then, you know, that coupled with over time doing a lot of research in quantum physics and metaphysics and things like that. And realizing like on a frequency scale, shame is the lowest frequency you can feel. You know, for me, I went, wow, I grew up with a lot of shame and guilt and fear and embarrassment. And as I moved out of that, I started to become more empowered. And I got to watch these guys have a similar process. And I was like, there's a lot here about the things people don't want to talk about that are holding them back. And in some ways it's harder when you have money already, because there's even more shame involved and better masks. Like when you don't have a lot to lose, you can be more revealed about it. When you have a lot to lose and a lot of a, a, you know, like a reputation to uphold. Right. It feels different. So I think one of the gifts was that because of the background I had, people were willing to say a lot to me about, and things that they weren't willing to say to other people, because they could see that, like I had been through it, you know, food stamps, divorce affair, and I was open about talking about it. And so they're like, wow, I can tell Amanda anything. And so it really helped me see that relationship to shame and embarrassment and fear, you know, and then I focused on money because to me, it's a really easy way to see the outward expression of what's going on with people internally. So how did you go from food stamps to no fucking around. I mean, <laughs> what was your time frame, and what was the mindset that you said, not only can I listen, but I can listen and learn and lean into something different. I, I was on food stamps, 2016, 2017. So not that long ago, you know, the time of the recording, this is 2021. Wow. And then in my first year of business, I went six figures. And so it was a pretty rapid transformation. And I worked on myself day and night, you know, it was like, I was all in, I finally realized that there were answers. And I was like, Oh, there's this money is a skill. Relationships are a skill. And I didn't really get that before. I thought that it was 
it was like, oh, it either works for you or it doesn't. I didn't realize, oh, you can learn skills to help yourself in your relationships. You can learn skills to become a wealth builder. And so I started learning and reading everything I could. And I, I saw myself changing and then people noticed it. And in the process of that, as I was writing my dissertation, we had this departmental fallout, like a national news level and a whole bunch of people in my department left. And it was just high, high stress. And I was like, I don't want this. You know, I don't want to be a professor anymore. And I guess I'm going to take the leap and become a coach. Like I just decided like, I'm going to go for it. And it was so exciting because I was like, so passionate and driven. I was like, I I can help people like I can help people like me and I can help people overcome their stuff that they're stuck and they don't get it and they don't see it. And so it's just been this really wild evolution toward coaching and learning what I'm good at and stuff, you know, and then learning, you know, all the coaching world lingo, like zone of genius and all those things. And so the, the NFA comes from, I was doing a session with this guy one day and he's like, wow, you're really, you're really tough. Like my dad, but you're also really loving and sensitive. He's like, it really works well for me. And I said, well, I'm not fucking around about your transformation. I really care about your outcome. And it stuck in my mind and I shared it at a meeting and my someone it was like at a chamber event someone said that's really cool and so I put it in my bio on my um Instagram okay. someone noticed it and asked me to be on their podcast she's like that is great branding and then at the end of the call she's like you need to brand your company that and I'm like huh okay <laughs> like am I really bold enough to do that and the original NFA like me saying that even comes from when I was a kid my athletic sports teams I always would name us at team NFA and so it's just kind of been a, a life mantra for me in different ways. I mean, that's, that's very bold. Um, <laughs> that's a very bold name to actually put it in. I mean, cause yeah. again, you know, as we had said, do people get turned off by that? And I would assume it really interprets itself as no messing around. I mean, I'm here to help you because if people are going to invest in what you have to say, yeah it has to make sure that it's going to meet their, their mark, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely, I would imagine that the people that really don't like it, they just fall away. They don't say anything to me. I do get some, you know, messages sometimes that are pretty unhappy people like, how dare you use the effort? And, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I hope you have an amazing day. It's not for everyone. Wish you all the best. Right. Right. <laughs> Clearly we are that. not supposed to work together. <laughs> exactly. Well, so what does your client look like? I love that you're asking this because I was journaling yeah, this weekend and I was, I, I got into this, like this state of tears thinking about my client, my ideal client, you know, and it's like my ideal right. client is someone who really cares about what they do in the world. Right. They love, you know, it's like they have this huge heart for it. They have a drive for it. They're in process doing it and they've got unconscious blocks that are scaring them. So they might, they might stay up at night scared. Like I really want my dream to work, but I'm not quite sure how to make more money doing it. I really want my dream to work. I really want to take my kids. You know, if we look at like the, the women I work with, it's like, I really want to be able to t- pay for fun trips and I want to have a lifestyle right. where I get to hang out with my kids and I want free time. And I want my, my voice to be heard. And I want to feel powerful as a woman in the world. And, you know, so that's, you know, that's that woman and they just have unconscious blocks holding them back. Things like fears, doubts, uncertainties, definitely in business building, imposter syndrome is big, negative self-comparison, thinking it's too late, you know, thinking you're too old or, or, you know, maybe you're not going to get there fast enough, those kind of things. And for men, it's really similar. It's men who are often care about their family in this huge way where they go like, crap, I don't want to work all the time out of the house. And I want to like be there for my kids. And I want to go to the practices and I care about 
about being a mission-driven guy in the world. And I really want to serve the world through my gifts right. and I want to enjoy what I'm doing. You know, so that overarching theme is like people who, who want to get paid to do what they love and they just can't understand why they're stuck, either not being able to figure out what that is or in fear when they step into it, like it will it work. Ooh, I'm scared. It might not work. Right. So is your ideal client usually someone that's more in an entrepreneurial spirit that is stepping out on their own? Or does it also, could it also apply to corporate world, you know, people that are even just trying to manage they're the CFO of their, their household. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overarchingly the work I do can be with anyone because every single person experiences money blocks. My programs are mostly designed around entrepreneurs. My one-on-one coaching, I work with all different kinds of people because the methodology is exactly the same, but for my programs that I walk people through, those are, are, are designed for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I'm just fascinated by your story and how you got there what did you do to keep you going? I mean, food stamps is a, like you said, it carries a lot of shame with it. And most people would never tell anyone that they <laughs> were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you decide to let go of the shame? Uh, and what was the steps that you took to do that? Because think how many people are going to listen to this and go, huh? Yeah, there's a few shameful events in my life, but yeah, how do you move past it? Yeah, uh, great questions, Amy. Uh, you know, oh, I have to share this story because what I used, I had so much shame around it. I used to go to the grocery store on Fridays with my son after school. We would like go on Fridays because we'd have like pizza movie night together and we'd go to the grocery store and we'd fill up the car, you know, like for the week of groceries. And we, I, I, of course, didn't tell him this. He was little, but I was, I would like push the car and I would like decide which checker out person that I thought would judge me the least. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it was so embarrassing. You know, I was like, I would like judge myself. I'd be like, I have a coat on. Do they think like I shouldn't be on food stamps because I have a coat and a car? You know, like, I mean, I had so many stories running my head, just, just embarrassment and shame. And also going like, I got to feed my kids, you know, so right. I'm going to do it. And Oh yeah. Such intense times. And it took me a while to share some of that. You know, it was like, especially a fair, I got a lot of stuff around having an affair and what that meant and all what unfolded into and, and then, you know, adding the layer of food stamps. And what happened for me is that I noticed that over time, I I would share it with people in, in one-on-ones and they would, I could see their release of, of letting Mm -hmm. go of the things they felt ashamed about and that they would share more with me because they're like, Oh, Amanda's human. Like she has stuff and she struggles and she's had a history of struggling. And the more I shared it, the more people opened up to me and the more that I could see like me giving that the people would literally say to me, it is such a gift that you share that because it allows me to share my stuff. And so I started to realize like, this is a gift to the world for me to share. And so I started sharing it like on my own podcast. And then when I'd get on other people's podcasts, I'd share it. And like, I would say I've had the most welcoming open arms, like, thank you for sharing because it allows me to let go of my stuff in a different way than I, that I haven't before. And so then it turned into this like place of empowerment and being like, wow. Oh, and then, and now when I say it, like, I mean, at first when I started saying it, I would like turn red and like, I could feel the embarrassment kind of build up oh. and I would do it anyway. But now it's like, I can say it and go like, 
I can step back into that place of like remembering driving the cart down and feel how it felt. Right. And I have the other perspective now where I go, like, I can feel how it feels to share it with someone who then shares something with me that they're holding on to. And you watch their transformation of letting go of that. And it's just really powerful. So in other words, being vulnerable is very releasing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So do you ever feel like that now? Well, feel, feel any sense of shame now that you're doing this and you've got your PhD, you're, you're living what you probably had forecasted for yourself. Yeah. Some degree. Yeah. So what happens once, once you get it, I mean, is it easy to not feel shameful? How do you not have those blockers that you're helping others get, get away from? The answer is going to surprise you probably, but it never goes away. It just moves to a different level, you know? So it's like, I don't have shame anymore about like, oh, I was on food stamps and I was here. Now it's like, because of, let's say negative self-comparison. I had someone ask me once, what's the overarching number one thing everyone struggles with? And I said, negative self-comparison is probably what I see the most. And it's because you, you grow and you up level, you're going to then relatively compare yourself to other people who are at this, that level. And so if you're, if you have a habit of negative self-comparison, right. you're going to then compare yourself to someone who's now making a million dollars a year or whatever it is. And, and, I, and so now I will say it never stops completely. It's just that I have tools to transform it very quickly. So it used to be that I'd stay stuck for months, weeks, years. And I could stay stuck in the same limiting story for years. Now I can go, I can detect it in an hour. You know, I go like, I go, what's going on? Like, I feel off. And then I'll go, oh, that's it. And then I work with, you know, I just have a whole bunch of tools. I just work with it. And then it shifts a lot more quickly. Okay. So I'd say for people listening, you know, it's like, they never go away. I'm human, right? The next money block is going to show up at a different level of me. It might be you get married and a new money block shows up or you have kids and a new money block shows up or you leave your, let's say you're in a corporate job and you decide to take the leap into a business, you're going to have some money blocks come up. Right. So it never stops. You just transform and work through them and break through them much more quickly because you have tools. So it's all about the tools. So if people want to work with you, you're going to help them get tools that allow them to work through it. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of it as it never goes away. I mean, I guess that's part of as we develop and become who we are at different stages of our own life, we need a different tool in order to move on to the, that next stage. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like when you retire, when, you know, or like you said, oh, interesting. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about that as I guess I thought there was just this magic equation that <laughs> yeah. you do this plus this plus this, and it equals bliss. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I think it's why most people struggle and suffer is because they, what you're talking about is we think once we get there, wherever there is, we'll feel amazing. Right. The thing is, wherever you go, there you are. So you won't. And, and entrepreneurs, especially I've noticed or, or high drive people, let's say like executives and high drive people, they think like, oh, once I get to this level of money, I'll feel good. And I'll take a break and I'll spend more time with my partner and I'll, I'll do right. all these, I'll, I'll exercise more and get healthy, but then they never get there because they're always upping the ante. 
right? Like they're going like, they're type the- a. exactly. So they get there. They don't feel good. Then they've upped the ante. Maybe if I get to the next one, I'll feel good. They never get there because there keeps moving. And so the practice is like, you got to be in the moment, the person that you say that you'll be in that future. You go, I do that now. And then every day gets easier. Every day is filled with joy and fun and flow. It's not like all of a sudden you'll be there six months from now. It's like, how do I feel today? Right. Yeah. Cause you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and that could change how you're feeling. Yeah. That's very interesting. Uh, I mean, so we're always a work in progress basically. Yeah. I think of growth, uh, you know, some people think it's like this straight line where you go like here, I'm at point yeah. A, I'm going to get to point Z and a straight line. I think of it <laughs> as an exponential growth curve, a spiral. So it's like you're in the center and every time you have that evolution, you're expanding out and you're getting bigger and bigger and it's never ending. And so you're going to be at the top and that's your success moment. And then you start to go down and you go like, okay, I'm kind of riding the wave. And then at the bottom, you have a breakthrough, the next version of you. And then you get to go back up to the top, but all of the time it's expanding and you're growing and it's never ending. And you're uh, we have so many blind spots and so much unconscious stuff inside of us that it's a lifelong journey that to me gets easier as you learn personal growth and development tools, because you now can see it and sit in it differently rather than resisting it and wishing it didn't exist. That's amazing. So it really comes down to, you got to let it go and you got to be willing to you know, as I say, listen, learn, and lean in a little bit. Um, yeah. To change. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And if only we as humans would stop resisting things, huh? Yes. And it's, it's funny how challenging that can be. Oh, I mean, look at the state of our, our world today. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that alone speaks volumes when you have people resisting and, yeah. you know, not willing to help everybody else out. Look what happens. So yeah, yeah, we'll leave that for another topic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what helps you the most get through that initial stage? What was the tool that helped you the most? You know, I would, I would say it was deciding first, just, Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to be aware and decide I want something different. So I always like to tell people your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So if you don't like what you're getting on the outside, you've got to start working on what's within. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds so simple and it's to me, the way of the most fulfilled person. And, and when I think of success, I think of what is a fulfilled person? What does success mean? It means someone who's balanced, enjoy, wakes up inspired for their day. They're of course they can be goal oriented and driven. And how do they feel while they're doing it? You know, do they have good relationships? Are they, do they have a healthy body? Are they feeling alive and vibrant and good? That's the fulfilled person. And in order to do that, you generate that from within. No one just hands you this gift of that. You know, you get to generate that from within and make tweaks along the way and pivots as you learn and you grow. So the number one habit is mastering yourself, learning how, you know, when I say mastering, sure. I don't think you ever are all the way there. Like we're saying it's an unfolding process, but it's taking steps and taking action every day to go like, am I the master myself? I often ask people like how many personal growth and development books do you read? Are they like zero, maybe one, like, right. Okay. Why do you expect to feel good? This is the only body you get. This is the only life you get. This is the only person you get. Like, why do we spend so little time fine-tuning ourselves. Wow. And, and with the pandemic, I think we've, we either do it or we don't, you know, I, yeah. you know, when you have people who've gained 30 pounds or yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, no one's ever said mastering yourself, but that's really what it is. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love, you know, your outer world is dependent on how your inner world is developed. Yeah. That's really, yeah. That was the revelation I really had. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't like any of the things I'm getting. I was really close with my kids. I loved that part. (laughs) And most of the rest of my life was fine part. I was good at school, like, I, cause it was checking boxes and like, I could, right. there was a plan and a path, you know, like I could go like, Oh, I can check those boxes and I can get to the end goal. The money, there was no plan or path. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So do you feel like you check boxes now? I find that statement very interesting because so many of us walk through life and just check boxes. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm one of them and I'm trying hard not to be a box checker yeah. so that I can experience more of what's out there versus just doing what is in the box. And so, you know, I kind of struggle with it, but um, at the same time I'm, I'm working on it. So I'm not just checking boxes. Yeah. So do you find that you, you check boxes or do you, are you more of a free flowing person? Well, uh, well, I want to, it makes me curious when you said that, like, what do you, what do you want to feel by not checking boxes? Oh, I think for me feeling that I have this to-do list and that the to-do list will never go away. Mm. Like it's just always constant. And I feel like usually the to-do list includes somebody else's shit to do. Yeah. Because it's not going to get done to the level that I think it should be done. So I'm going to do it. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, these are great things that everyone I know struggles with, right? It's like, how do you delegate powerfully and let go of control? Because often checking boxes is control. We think if I have a list, I check the box, I- I'm in control, everything's fine. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're, oh my God, I've never heard it described like that. Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. I mean, the, that fear of letting go of the control. And and my siblings and probably my kids would say the same thing. I mean, they actually bought me a mug or a glass that said, um, you're not the boss of me. (laughs) And then another one is, um, I'm not bossy. I'm just right. And, you know, that is really interesting. So for those of you that are listening, you're all laughing, going, she's figured it out. It took her 30 minutes to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I I did (laughs) it. Wow. Here's the thing that's really interesting, Amy, is that like human behavior is repetitive and patterned. And so when you start to really tap into understanding human behavior, it's easy to see. And I see the patterns of like, you're not alone. Every entrepreneur I know struggles with letting go and letting go of control. It's because it's fear. We're either living in a state of fear or joy, fear or love, fear or bliss, fear or gratitude, fear or appreciation. Right. And so anytime you're not in that state of appreciation, love, joy, inspiration, you're in a, you're somewhere having a fear and control is one of the most praised versions of fear because we don't see it as fear. We see it as like, oh, you're getting a lot of shit done. You're awesome. You're productive. You're amazing. (laughs) But really it's like, it's checking boxes to follow the plan because we're afraid. That's like really, really powerful. Okay. On that note, wow, this is like, (laughs) that has made my whole day. I need to work through that thought process yeah, because it really does limit your kind of your ability to flourish outside of that. The reason that it's so powerful for you to have that thought is because you're like, God, what would I feel like if I let go of all the boxes? It's the most freedom, right? Where we go like, just flow, let it be. And it's, it's 
a paradox. We grapple against it because we think the more control I have, the easier it will get. And it's the opposite, right? You know, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> it absolutely is the opposite. When yeah. I think of my relationship with the people that I need to check the boxes for or take over the boxes, maybe yeah. that's it. It would probably be a lot better if I didn't do that. Yeah. Like it would release some of your stress. Right. Because we can't control anyone else. We The only thing we have control of is our own thoughts, decisions, and actions. That's it. Right. We can't control anyone else. And we try really hard to control other people. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I, I could, that could be another whole, another discussion. Well, yeah. All right. Well, you've just solved my, my problem for the day. Awesome. For everyone listening, please, you need to find Dr. Amanda because I am speechless, which doesn't happen very often. So I mean, that's I've amazing. done my job then. <laughs> yes, you have. So, so what are three books that have inspired you? You know, you're that you'll find this interesting because the very first book that I read on this personal growth journey that really helped me have that epiphany moment was like, I'm the center of these problems is called codependency for dummies. The author's name is Darlene Lancer. And I hadn't really known a lot about codependency. And I always thought it was like, oh, you've got to have like alcoholic parents or something. And I didn't have that. So I never really thought of it as as an issue for me. And then as one of my friends, I was in the middle of that breakup where the, the person was moving out and I was on the floor crying. And she's like, have you ever read about codependency? She's like, it sounds like that's what's going on for you. And I was like, no. And I went home and I literally stayed up all night and read all the blog posts that this woman had written. And I was like blown away. And I drove to the bookstore the next morning and got her book. I couldn't even wait on Amazon prime. I was like, I got to have this book now. (laughs) And I drove to the store, got the book, read it all. And I mean, it changed my entire life because I was like, this book was written for me. Like I've been developing my entire life through, you know, codependency is about shaping yourself through other people really. Right. Right. It's like a lack of confidence, a lack of self-worth, a lack of, of having your own identity. And, you know, and there's a lot of different reasons that that gets created in in people and it just completely changed my life. So then that led me to like reading books about confidence and self-worth and, yep. And, you know, at the same time, I started reading money books. So I'd say the other book was Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, T. Harbecker, <laughs> brilliant book, very simple and mind-blowingly expansive in the way that you think about money and yourself and your okay. relationship to money. And then a third book I'll say is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he talks about the zone of genius and breaking through your, he has four levels, the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and then the zone of genius. And most people live, a lot of type A's live in the zone of excellence because yep. they're, they're good at a lot of stuff. Yep. Zone of genius is where you're like, what am I excellent at? What makes me feel incredible and amazing? And and so for me now, I design my whole life around like, I want to live hundred percent in my zone of genius, which means you've got to drop, automate, delegate and let go of trying to control everyone. Wow. So do you think you live in the zone of genius? Absolutely. Not all the time. Definitely. I, you know, like there's still things I'm delegating away, things I'm automating. It's a refining process. Just like, okay. you know, when we say we're on that constant journey, right. The, the continual growth journey, it's, it's been for me, this process of learning, like, who do I love to work with? What am I best at doing? Okay. What really allows me to shine? If I really let go of any fears and doubts, like what do I really want to spend my day doing? So, you know, I'm in process within, I spend a lot of my time in my zone of genius and some of it I'm learning what to drop and what to let go of. That's really insightful. So tell people to find their zone of genius. Yeah. Those are that book, those, all those books. I mean, codependency is very specific for a very specific type of person. Right. 
I'd say for anyone in that way, it's like any book that is related to personal growth and development, meaning like optimizing yourself, becoming a master of yourself. That could be like, you're going to read about time management. You're going to read about your, your physical body, your health, your relationships, money, you know, all the things that we think we should just know how to do. And they're the things that are like the core of the juice of life. Like if you don't know how to have great relationships, you're going to struggle. If you don't know how to build your wealth, you're going to struggle. If you don't know how to be healthy in your body, you're going to have a harder life. Wow. So how many self-help books do you think you, you've read? <laughs> wow. I, <laughs> I read on average, I, I read usually a couple books a week. So, okay. oh my gosh. Yeah. A lot, a lot. I mean, and I'm always listening to podcasts and watching YouTube and just, I love learning. Right. Yeah. I would say you are definitely a lifelong learner. Wow. Yes. Yes. Well, so if people want to find you, I'll make sure everybody can find you. Do you have anything exciting coming up? I always have exciting things coming up, but I will say everyone take the money blocks profile. That's the starting point really. So moneyblocksprofile.com will lead them to the money blocks profile. And then they can find all things that I have on nfamoney.com. I have a podcast, a YouTube channel for NFA money. And then the podcast is called Max Potential Money. So everything's on my website if they go there, nfamoney.com. Perfect. Love it. Thank you so very much for spending some time with me this afternoon, this evening. It has been super insightful and just super wonderful to get to meet you. You are welcome. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever. And until next time, be Braveful.